Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That is Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I am your host, Sandra Flack. Thank you for joining me today. Maybe you're listening to this in the quiet of your house while your kids are at school Or maybe you're hiding in your bathroom or your car or somewhere because you're a homeschool mom or somewhere in between, whatever the case, take a deep breath. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. This podcast is for you, especially if you are a foster or adoptive parent. I'm back in the homeschool game. I'm not new to it. I homeschooled all eight of my kids for 16 years. Four years ago, we put our two youngest in school. Uh, just they, I had spent so much time uh, running them to services, you know, the OTPT speech, vision therapy kind of stuff. But they both required one-on-one uh, for schooling, and we just were not getting anything done. And really, we felt led by the Lord four years ago to put them, our two youngest, in school. And things were going pretty well until they weren't. Between the changes brought on by COVID-19, I had one kid who just could not learn in that uh, modified environment uh, and a lot of stress surrounding uncertain things going on in the world. And he just, he was in survival mode and could not learn. Uh, And then both of my boys are teenagers with diagnosed fetal alcohol syndrome. So things were going off the rails there. Kids that were not giving us any, you know, real challenges and struggles, all of a sudden everything kind of came to a head and everything was sort of off the tracks and derailed. So we returned to homeschooling our youngest to avoid a mental health crisis last October. And now our plan is to continue to educate him at home for the next four years or so. I've been blogging about it. So be sure to check out my website. My personal website is sandraflack.com. So you can read more there. This podcast is an extension of our ministry, Justice for Orphans. And we offer some great resources on that website as well. So if you go to justicefororphansny.org, you can find resources. Uh, There's uh, all of our podcast episodes. And it also can connect you to sandraflack.com where I blog uh, as well and my book and all kinds of things going on there. You can check it all out. September is not just back to school month in most places in the country, but um, or a lot of places in the country. September is also National Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Awareness Month. 
FASD impacts a disproportionate number of children in child welfare. In fact, one in 20 American children, not just kids in child welfare, but just one in 20 children have been prenatally exposed to alcohol. It is way more prevalent than we thought. It is more prevalent even than autism. Alcohol exposure prenatally affects the structure and function of the brain. And I'm a parent of five adopted children. My youngest two are diagnosed FAS, and I have two older adult kids that really should have been, had we all known what we know, we all. If I had known then what I know now, they probably would have been. Um, We're talking FASD awareness and advocacy all month long. It is such a relevant topic for us as foster and adoptive parents. You can check out all of our episodes to learn more about adoption, foster care, trauma, and FASD. I share my family's adoption journey also in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available everywhere books are sold. If you order it through Amazon, please, please, please leave a review. Those are reviews are crucial for every author. So please go in there, whether you did the the Kindle version or uh, got a paperback, please go in there and leave a review. If you'd like a signed copy of my book, I'll sign you a copy. I'll include a special gift bookmark. Then you can order from my website. Again, that's sandraflack.com. There you'll also learn more about me, this podcast, the blog is there. You can contact me if you are interested in having me come speak at your event. Um, everything's all there. And again, it is connected to our ministry website, justicefororphansny.org. So now to today's guest, I'm thrilled to have Chris Trout. She is a mom of 12. See, I thought I had a large family, 12 kids six through adoption. She is the CEO and a marriage and family therapist at the Papillon Center, a NOFAS, and NOFAS stands for National Organization for Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, uh, a NOFAS affiliate with locations in both Tennessee and Kentucky. I'm so excited. Please welcome Chris Trout. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Chris. I'm thrilled to have connected with you. I always love to get the backstory. And with 12 kids, you must have quite the backstory. Uh, So tell us about your family and how you came to adopt six kids. Well, we, we have a little unique adoption story just in itself that, um, Many of our children just uh, ended up needing a place to stay and stayed for from then on. Uh, so we've been foster parents. We've also adopted internationally and um, then domestically as well. And then a couple of our kids are not officially adopted, but have been a part of our lives for so much. We they're just part of our family. They're a couple of our kids. So uh, it looks a little different than some families, but it works for us. Well, I love to hear that. I love your heart for children. Uh, and I'm sure it's with 12 kids and a, a blended family, the way everybody came came into your family with the international adoption and all the various ways, um, you've had to come face to face with childhood trauma, I'm sure. So what was the adjustment like? How did you navigate 
all of that with such a diverse family? Sure, sure. Well, uh, childhood trauma is a tremendous uh, impact on a family. We know that. And it did ours as well. I would say probably our most uh, challenging situation was with our last adoption. And uh, the advantage of having such a large family is that the children really work together well. And so they, uh, our child who needed the most had lots of hands on deck and that in itself has probably been one of our biggest blessings in looking back is everybody just really pitched in and continue to, uh, as the children are growing and need things. And now our grandchildren are growing and need things. Everybody just kind of pitches in wherever they're needed. Oh, I love that. I, I'm a grandma too. I'm a Mimi. So mm-hmm. um, love, love to hear that aspect of your story as well, because the blessings keep coming. Um, but there, there are challenges, right? In the mid, in the midst of all of that. And I know for a lot of our families, it's, I know, I know your family unit there pitched in, but there can be isolation within, you know, the community. Um, what about services and just all of the things, you know, the, that, that many sure, foster sure. and adoptive families face? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree completely. It can be very isolating for families. Um, we were fortunate to have been educated ahead of time to really understand um, kind of what we were stepping into. So I think that that's always helpful anytime you can have families that, uh, at least to the best of their ability, have insight to what they're getting ready to do. Um, That's helpful. I would say isolation is one of the biggest things. Families carry amount of guilt or struggle that somehow they're doing something wrong when most of the time it really has to do with that child's little brain and the trauma that they've been through and their ability to navigate being inside of a family. I will tell you for me personally, um, probably the most impactful thing for me was the exhausting piece. Um, I just was exhausted and our little one, I don't think she slept for six months, you know, and she was almost four and uh, her little brain just went 90 to nothing and her little body followed and uh, she just barely slept. And it seemed like um, being a part of a family was not something she had any idea of what that looked like. Um, so everything was new and it was a constant of trying to keep up with her and keep her safe and keep everybody else okay and somehow find time to sleep in the midst of it. That your story sounds strikingly similar to ours because it was we had a lot of older kids, a lot of older adopted kids, um, but yet it was our youngest that really took us to school, so to speak. And uh, and we didn't have any training in advance, so we had no idea, you know, and, and we had sort of like a um, this illusion of things are going great until the youngest one came. And then when we began to really have to learn about uh, trauma and fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and things like that, then we started looking at our other kids saying, oh, yeah, maybe not as severe, but there's stuff. Um, So that, that training is of vital importance, but sometimes it's that younger one is the game changer, uh, (laughs) so to speak. And, and now I think your, your youngest one um, 
has a diagnosis of, of an FASD. Is that correct? Our last one came Your last in. one. She's actually not our youngest. Our, our youngest is 16. Okay. Uh, our daughter, that was the last one coming in, will be 18 next month. Wow. Uh, and she came home with a diagnosis. She uh, did. Yes. She was diagnosed in country. Uh, she comes from Eastern Europe and was diagnosed in country with fetal alcohol syndrome. Wow. So what characteristics were you seeing once she got home? Um, She had that, she had the diagnosis in country. Did you have to get another one here? Uh, It was a little bit challenging. Honestly, we live in a state that did not have many services or good understanding of what it meant to be diagnosed with uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. And so there was some confusion around that. Um, We went to one of our local children's hospitals to and clinics uh, that they have there to go through the process. There was question as to whether or not it was truly fetal alcohol or if it was maybe Williams syndrome or something else. So we went through all the genetic testing, all of all of the things. Um, Ultimately, she has fetal alcohol syndrome. Uh, probably the biggest uh, concern around that was just how tiny she was. She was so small and she was considered failure to thrive at almost four. And so there was a a lot of um, push to try to put weight on her, to try to help her catch up. And, um, you know, with our, with our kids, it just doesn't work that way. So I finally had a geneticist that kind of let me off the hook because it just seemed like no matter what we did, nothing was working. And uh, he finally just told me that uh, pay attention to her hair. If her hair is healthy, then she's getting all the nutrition that she needs. And so um, that helped me considerably because, you know, I went through that of what am I doing wrong? And how do I get weight on this kid who is literally in uh, 12-month clothes at, you know, four years old and uh, just just a tiny little thing. So that was very yeah. helpful. Yeah, I have an 18-year-old diagnosed FAS and he's all of 80 pounds mm-hmm. and um, has incredibly beautiful hair. Yeah. <laughs> he's into growing it long now and it's very wavy and curly. And my husband is sort of like, get that cut. And I'm like, hey, as long as it's clean and combed, I don't care. You know, okay. let's pick our battles. But yet he's, you know, his his bone, bone structure and all of that is so... Uh, very different and 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 he's so small and and the FAS definitely plays into that what about other characteristics as far as I know families look at it as our kids behaviors you know the the impulsivity and all those different things were you uh, dealing with that stuff we were yes Uh, she's uh, was very very impulsive she still is quite impulsive Um, she's she's calmed down a little bit she's been home for 14 years now so you know, it looks a little bit different at almost 18 than what it did at least four. But uh, that impulsivity was a huge piece. Uh, the other piece for me uh, was um, the lack of cause and effect. The, the fact that she would continuously make the same mistakes over and over wasn't learning from those, those mistakes. Um, that was a big one for me. And the other thing that was really quite large for me was what made it to long-term memory. Um, she, because it, it, everything was, whatever was right in front of her. And so pretty early on, I, we really started paying attention to that. 
how do we know to, uh, what makes it to the long-term memory? And we learned pretty early on that it was one of two things. It was either anything that was quite traumatic to her or anything that was quite delightful to her. <laughs> so it was either end of the continuum. Everything in the middle was gone. Yes, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> so those were, those were really the two big ones um, behavior-wise. Uh, if you're watching her, she's, she does fine. If you've turned your back, she's whatever is in front of her is going to be up for grabs. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of very, very similarities, a lot of similarities, um, you know, common, common characteristics. So Chris, how did you get help? Um, especially for your daughter with the FAS, um, you know, were there resources in the community? What, how did you get help and support for her and your family? Yeah, I, I don't know that I would say that we really did. Um, mm. I, I worked for an agency at the time, a large adoption agency. That was probably my most supportive help. Um, they were the ones who initially gave me information about uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Our caseworker uh, at the time uh, was just phenomenal. And she, she had um, turned me on to some information to help me study ahead of time, kind of learn what we were going into. Um, but there wasn't much local at all. Uh, our school didn't understand it. Our, our pediatrician uh, really didn't understand it very well. Um, so there, there, wasn't, there wasn't much local at all. But I will say I did have, I did have the assistance of our adoption agency that was they they uh, did understand it and provided me with resources as far as educational material. And they also connected me with the national organization, NOFIS, uh, the National Organization for Fetal Alcohol Syndrome, and that was helpful. Oh, that is wonderful. What about, I know, I know as a result of our youngest coming home, we got our crash course in uh, TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention. I read Dr. Karen Purvis's book, uh, the connected child was a complete game changer. And that got us on the journey of understanding childhood trauma and its impacts and how to parent differently. At what point did you learn about all of that? Yeah, uh, after we well, actually, it was after we brought our daughter home. At the time, <clears throat> excuse me, I was working for the adoption agency, and we were given the connected child to review uh, as it was coming out. And whenever I got the opportunity to read it and review it, it just resonated with me. It just made sense that um, this is, it was a holistic approach. It, it just absolutely resonated. And um, so, you know, pretty shortly after that, I was able to go and be trained with her um, in 2011. And that was very helpful. That is wonderful. I know I had the privilege of going. My husband and I traveled from New York to Tennessee, actually, for an Empower to Connect uh, the three days there where Dr. Purvis herself was teaching. So we felt very uh, blessed, you know, looking back now that, that we had that opportunity and then uh, eventually went on to become Empowered to Connect Parent Trainers so that we could help other families that we were encountering who, who were struggling also. So uh, I'll make sure that our listeners, we have a link to that that resource um, in the show notes for the show because it's definitely, it's the first thing I tell prospective adoptive and foster parents or any foster or adoptive parents that I encounter if they haven't read it, it's, it's like, 
start here. You have to you have to start here. Well, so not in, you know aside from your agency that you were very fortunate to work for, there was not a whole lot out there. No. But you you ended up going on to establish mm-hmm. an organization to provide resources for families. So tell us about the Papillon Center. Mm-hmm. Well, the Papillon Center came about in 2010. So that's when we began, and it came about as a result of, um, and in 2009 uh, was one of the early conferences that Dr. Purvis had put on, and I went to North Carolina. There was a small crowd there, 30-some people, um, and we talked on the way there, and my co-founder and I spent a lot of time talking about what was really needed. She was also parenting a child from a hard place. And as a result of that, on that, that particular trip is how the Papillon Center was sort of born. And then the year after that, I was able to, we were both actually able to go and receive training with Dr. Purvis. And that was very helpful. Our foundation of who we are at the Papillon Center is based on TBRI, or trust-based relational intervention. Uh, that holistic approach is the lens that we look through in everything that we deal with. We started the center because there really wasn't any services that, uh, out there. There wasn't anyone that was really focused on what we needed in Tennessee. And um, we wanted to be able to offer services for any family, but we wanted to specialize in prenatal exposure to alcohol and drugs, trauma and attachment disorders, because those were the things that were near and dear to our hearts. And uh, just our goal was to be able to offer a place that families could come in and sit down and just breathe and be understood. Because when you're in it, um, people will tell you that, oh, they're just acting like kids or they're just, you know, this is normal behavior or whatever. And they're, you know, it's not. But if you don't sit with someone who really understands it or gets it or has lived it in some way, it's hard. Um, to really feel understood well. Yeah, so I definitely. Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. And, and, you know, people on the outside looking in who aren't in a foster adoptive parent, they're going to just think, oh, they need more discipline. You're not doing something right. That's just a bad kid, you know, whatever. And been there, done that. You know, I tried parenting our first child that came in through adoption. It was a kinship situation. We tried parenting her like we parented our biological children, and uh, boy, not it did not go well because she didn't. She never learned from consequences, like yeah. you said earlier. That cause and effect was not there. Uh, so many things going on, and to us, it could look like she was being rebellious or disobedient or defiant or oppositional or whatever. But it was trauma. Right. And and FASD, we suspect uh, she's 31 now, so there was no diagnosis there. We, we had no clue what we were even dealing with. And it wasn't until, you know, 10 years ago that we had a handle on, because of our youngest adopted child, we were getting schooled in uh, trauma and, and childhood trauma and, and the prenatal exposure to alcohol stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, parents definitely need other parents who understand. Chris, what kinds of things does the Papillon Center offer to families? Sure. Well, um, we do try to offer that safe place where families can come in, be understood, can really talk through their struggles. Um, our goal, uh, because TBRI is our foundation, one of our goals is to come along beside the parent. 
Uh, we offer family counseling, um, but we also, the program that we've put together that is again, based on TBRI, it, we do work with the children, but we really focus on the family as a whole um, and help educate parents, help parents be able to look through a little bit different lens than what maybe they were parented or maybe they parented their older children differently. I did as well. Um, it just doesn't work the same. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We offer equine therapy, which is mm-hmm. wonderful. It's all on the ground, uh, the groundwork. It's uh, through EGALA, where EGALA certified to do that. And that's a wonderful program for children who have been prenatally exposed because it's so experiential, very solution focused. So it helps to move it in more longer term memory in their brain. And um, one of the other things that we really try to do with parents is uh, is really try to evaluate the parent's ability to put in the time to mm. really uh, have what it takes to get their child on track. Um, sometimes parents don't come in until they're completely frazzled. And so when that happens, we really look for outside resources. Is there any way that we can help a parent by um, maybe getting a, a local church involved or getting their community involved in some way to just say, hey, can somebody bring, bring some supper over, somebody help babysit some other kids, give this parent a little bit of a break so that they can get their feet back under them again. Mm, so it's not about fix this kid. It's sort of like fix these parents so the parents can parent yeah. <laughs> accordingly. Yeah, and to provide support. We have a trauma mama support group that uh, has a a closed online group and then they meet once or twice a year uh, to get together and and spend time together and just uh, share and encourage each other. Um, You know, I'm I'm sure the the dads have plenty of trauma too, but we, we focus a little bit on those moms to try to help encourage them. Wonderful. So support groups and that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We offer therapies. We offer support groups. We offer education. We do advocacy where we can go into the court or into the schools um, to help set up a plan that to help this child be as successful as possible. Our goal is very team oriented. Whoever is on the child's team, we want them involved um, so that everybody's kind of got a voice at the, ta- at the table and so that everybody's speaking the same language so that that child has the highest level of success possible. Oh, I love that. I love what you're doing. And is it correct? Is, is the Papillon Center in two different locations? Because I saw Tennessee and Kentucky. Is that right? Mm-hmm, it is. Yeah. So we've been in Tennessee since uh, 2010. And last year, in the middle of the pandemic, we opened up a site in Paducah, Kentucky. So they just celebrated their one year and are doing well there. They are also the NOFIS affiliate uh, for Kentucky, as we are for Tennessee here. And then we are starting a outreach in Montana um, because wow. there's not uh, services there. And so we're working with a therapist and starting some starting the process. There. Wow. Well, you could really, you could really, you know, have a, have a population explosion because I don't think there's services in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know where I am in upstate New York you know, there's, there's not a whole lot. Uh, so uh, there, I, my son, my youngest does get some, some counseling mm-hmm. and there's some family support group stuff um, through adoption navigation, which is through one of the child placing agencies in the, in our area. Um, so in our, the counselor, my son sees she's, she's uh, 
trauma-informed and she's uh, attachment. She loves Dr. Purvis. She's worked with uh, Jane Schooler. So she's, she's very, she's excellent. And, and I, it's like, I refer everybody to her, but she can only see so many patients, right? She's like the only one. So um, very, very important. So what about in, in this day and age with everything going online and, and a lot of uh, trainings and supports are now available to families across the country where they wouldn't, weren't able to tap into those before. So d- our listeners who may not be in Kentucky or Tennessee, would they be able to access any of the services at the Papillon Center? Sure. Well, they're, we're able to go and educate wherever. Um, I've traveled all over the country to do that. Um, I, I, anytime I can go in and help educate a school, help educate a community, that's definitely one of my heartstrings. I want to be able to do that anywhere. Um, I provide uh, support and consultation uh, to anyone, um, a brief consultation. So I do that. But as far as practicing uh, counselors, you can only practice in the state you're licensed in. Okay. Good to know. um, only the states that we're licensed in. I'm licensed personally. I'm licensed in Tennessee, Kentucky, and in, uh, Illinois. But um, the rest of our team is licensed here in Tennessee and then uh, in Kentucky. But uh, we can still educate, and we offer uh, quarterly trainings online. So there, there are opportunities for families to get connected, and then I can provide consultation services. Wonderful. And, and how can our listeners learn more about and connect and get connected to the Papillon Center? Sure. Probably the easiest way is to go to our website. And um, that I think you've, you've got that information, but it's just the papilloncenter.org. And uh, they can do that or they're welcome to send me an email. Um, Chris at the papilloncenter.org, uh, C-H-R-I-S. And that's, um, I'm happy to, to touch base with families or uh, anyone who is interested in, in getting more information out there. Any way that we can do that, we want to do that. Very exciting. So we will definitely include a link to your email and to the Papillon Center um, in the show notes and corresponding blog post for this episode so our listeners can easily find you. Um, and as we wrap up, Chris, what is on your heart that you want to be sure our listeners, like what's their takeaway? Most of our listeners are adoptive and foster parents, especially moms. What would you say to them today? Mm. I, I think one of the biggest things I would say is you're not alone. Often we feel alone and, and you're really not. Um, many of us have, have had those dark nights and struggles and um, there is hope. And I think that that's the most exciting thing is that there's hope. So um, probably those two things. And the other thing, if there's a mantra that I will go down to my deathbed fighting (laughs) is that these aren't bad kids. They're kids from hard places. Mm. And um, they can carry any multiple diagnoses but when we can shift our lens to this is a child from a hard place it helps us look at them differently and helps us set up uh, that child for success Mm, I love that and I know that's a phrase coined by Dr. Karen Purvis kids from hard places and and it's such a 
a, a wonderful description of really what's going on, you know, and, and helps us to be able to have that empathy and compassion and extend great grace um, because um, that they're not, it's not that they won't behave really, it's that they can't because of, and then we can look through the lens of, of that, that trauma history. So words of wisdom. I love that. And I'm looking forward. I know we're going to be connecting about the time this podcast airs. Chris and I will be in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, doing a little ministry to some foster and adoptive families that are attending CAFO, the Christian Alliance for Orphans uh, Summit. And uh, we're doing a panel on FASD. So I'm looking forward to meeting you in person and connecting with you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, So that's an exciting thing that's coming up. But before we go, Chris, I opened the show with Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14. You picked that verse or verses. What do those verses mean to you? Mm -mm. You know, um, sometimes at the end of the day, you feel like, man, I just messed up today. Mm. (laughs) I just did not get it right today. And I love those verses. It's been my life scripture that um, today is over. And let's put it behind us and move on, press on to what God's called us to press on to. Um, we, We still have hope and we have hope in him. And uh, I want to get up and press on. Yeah. Yes. Mercies. His mercies are new every morning. There's another one. And that is so true. And and our kids, I find, are, um, you know, they extend us grace as well. You know, our our oldest, our first child that came in through adoption, she's 31 now. And again, we didn't learn about trauma or FASD until about, um, you know, 10 years ago. And so parents heard her all wrong for so many, many, many years, but yet she's extended grace to us, you know, and has forgiven us for the mistakes that we've made. And we've done a lot of do-overs and um, a lot of yeses, even now, you know, and, and that relationship is definitely on much firmer ground than it had been. Um, But our, our kids will are flexible and they'll do that. They will forgive us. We have to forgive ourselves, give ourselves some grace and some room, get that training. That's, that's, you know, that's priority for families. Um, so Chris, thank you so much for all that you are doing on behalf of foster and adoptive families, especially there in uh, Tennessee and, and Kentucky, uh, kids from hard places. We're grateful for all that you're doing. And thank you for sharing your story and your personal experiences too. Thanks for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, I just so much enjoyed our conversation with Chris. Uh, One thing I do want to add, she clarified for me a little bit, while because of COVID, so many wonderful opportunities and trainings and workshops and things are available these days now online, things that we haven't had access to in the past if we couldn't travel to other states for, for, for workshops and trainings, we could now get online. However, counseling is different. And, and, and Chris is a, a licensed marriage and family counselor. So if you need to see a licensed therapist 
um, they're licensed in the state in, by state. So Chris Chris can uh, meet with families uh, in in the state that she is licensed in, which for her is is I believe Tennessee and Kentucky and Illinois. She mentioned. Um, so if you're looking for a counselor or a licensed therapist, that's different than getting a support group or some kind of workshop training. And all of that kind of training is valuable as well, uh, but it's different. So if you're looking for that kind of thing, you have to find someone in your state. Um, but Chris is available for consultation and can point you in the right direction, even if you're in a different state than this, the three states that she's licensed in. So I just wanted to clarify that. We want you to have access to all kinds of wonderful help out there. Um, just, just keep in mind, uh, therapists, you need to be have a licensed one in the state that you live in. All of the other wonderful kinds of trainings and workshops and, and things that are uh, you can access online from from anywhere, really, across the country, um, those don't have to be in your state only, but licensed therapists do. So, all right, thank you for listening today. I hope you were inspired by today's show. We are gonna include links to the Papillon Center and, and provide Chris's email address, as well as information about TBRI and the Connected Child book that she referred to. Uh, we'll put everything in the show notes for this episode, as well as the corresponding blog post, which can be found on justicefororphansny.org. Remember, September is National Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder Awareness Month. My article about FASD is in uh, appears on the Focus on the Family website this month. Uh, and if you remember my interview with Judge Andra Ackerman, which is episode 261, you got to go back a little bit. Um, but uh, she was she she is a, a judge and obviously an attorney first. And then she became a judge and. Uh, she was actually in foster care herself as a kid for a time, born uh, into uh, to an alcoholic mom, and she tells an incredible story. But because of her story, she is motivated and passionate about supporting individuals who kind of come from that hard place as well as uh, as she did. And uh, we are collaborating together. Uh, so I get to be a panelist for a judge's school, uh, which is going to include amazing teaching from Dr. Ira Chasnoff and uh, uh, Dr. Christy Petrenko and, and others. Uh, and I just get to share about lived experience of being a mom raising kids with an FASD. Very excited about that opportunity that I'm getting to do in October. Uh, but all of our episodes for September are going to be uh, FASD focused. Uh, so make sure that you tune in if you've missed any of the other ones, uh, if this is of uh, importance to you, of interest to you. If you are a foster or adoptive parent, uh, FASD is something that you need to know and you need to be informed about because chances are the children that are coming into your home or who are already there probably were prenatally exposed to alcohol and you need to be aware of that. And of course, even as, as Chris mentioned, trauma, we need to be trauma informed uh, and, and trained. Very, very important. And the topic of FASD is not covered in almost most states, uh, foster care training for licensing foster parents. Uh, it's just not there. So you need to, you're going to have to sort of go through and educate yourself uh, and reach out and get the different uh, trainings and things that we talk about. 
Uh, so make sure that you do that. Uh, other resources, our uh, website, justicefororphansny.org, uh, if you click on resources on that page and scroll down, we have a whole bunch of uh, trauma and FASD resources that you can tap into. We give links to podcasts, books, websites where there's wonderful training and resources for families. So uh, check that out. Um, also, my, my blog, I write a lot on my personal blog about parenting children from hard places, kids with FASD. Uh, so my blog is at sandraflack.com. Uh, and also my book is there at sandraflack.com. You can pick up a copy of my new book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. Uh, and of course, if you follow our social media, you'll always know what's going on. Um, Justice for Orphans has both a Facebook and an Instagram page. And I myself, Sandra Flack, I have a Facebook page, a Sandra Flack author page uh, on Facebook. And on Instagram, I am at Sandra Flack underscore JFO. So check it out. Reach out to us. We love hearing from our listeners and we thank you for listening. I'm grateful that you chose to spend your valuable time with us today. Uh, thank you for joining me for this episode of Orphans No More. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.